Turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Revelation, if you would. In the book of Revelation, chapter number one, we are given an introduction to this book, told about it. If you would follow along as I read down to verse number one, verse number nine, sorry. The Bible says here in Revelation chapter number one and verse number one, the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is, I want you to know, a revelation of Jesus Christ. This is what this book is about. Actually, the entirety of the word of God is a revelation of Jesus Christ, portraying and showing Christ to a lost world who need him as their Lord and Savior. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angels unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and there they that hear the words of this prophecy. This book in particular, that is the book of Revelation, has here this promise with it that you're blessed. Those that read it, that hear it, that do these words of this prophecy, you're blessed. He goes on and says, and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. He's writing here to these churches and he says, grace be unto you in peace from him which is and which was And which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Amen. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning, the end, saith the Lord, which is... And which was, and which is to come, the Almighty, I, John, who also am your brother, and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom, and patience of Jesus Christ, which is in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Very powerful verses. I do not have time to expound on all of these verses and all the the amazing truths that are there. But uh, we want to focus in on verse number 9, where we see some statements made that kind of describe for us this relationship, this tie that binds us together in God's family. Beloved, when you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you become part of the family of God, there is something that binds you together. There is something that the Bible describes or says that the Spirit beareth witness. 
You can gather in a house of God and very quickly find that your spirit bears witness with the spirit of those that are there. The, the family of God, the house of God, the church is a very precious thing. Beloved, this world has religion. Religion never saved anybody. As a matter of fact, many will use the tools of religion to try and bind their followers to a set of creeds. They'll try and use this and hold it over them. They even will hold the promise of heaven or the punishment of hell over those who are the followers of their religion. Listen to this preacher this morning. No man. I don't care how many titles he has before his name or how many letters of the alphabet he has after it. No man can absolve you of your sin. No man can give you uh, the forgiveness or can hold punishment over your head because that is not in the hand of man. That is only in the hand of God. You have one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. He describes for us the fact that through Jesus Christ that we are made priests, we are made kings in this passage here. The truth is that your relationship is between you and God and Him alone. Only you know whether you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Only you know if that relationship has been established. Man cannot do it. Religion cannot do it. To be part of the family. The Bible is very clear, beloved, that man can't do anything to affect your soul. He says in Matthew chapter 10, verse number 28, he says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. He says, listen, man can hurt this body. But that's not what we should be afraid of. That's not who we should fear. He says, you need to be worried about something this morning. Then worry about your relationship with the one who has the power to kill both body and soul. And that's only God. Him and him alone. We're gathered together in a church this morning. We are unified together in a work that God calls us to, that we're to be abounding in, the scripture says. And there's some things that bind us together. There's some things that make this a precious gift from God, the church. I'm thankful this morning for the church. I'm thankful for this family of believers. He says here, first of all, he says in Revelation 1, verse number 10, he says, I, John, who am also your brother. Who am also your brother. You see, beloved, we become part of a family. John was the youngest of the apostles. He was the one who describes for us, if you are familiar with the book of John, that, that really, John talks a lot about the love of God. John had an especially compassionate heart, and 
he had a real love for God because he saw the love that God had for him. We know the, probably the most familiar verse in all of the Bible. For God so what? Loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the heart of John. John was the one who at that last supper laid his head on the chest of his Savior. Holding close and ever wanting to be near him. John says to his sons and daughters in the faith, to his other members, he, he, he says, hey, I'm your brother. We're part of a family, beloved. By this miracle of adoption, we become part of a family, a precious family, the family of God. You know, are you thankful today for the family of God? You know, we use that term brother and sister. And a lot of times people feel like it's kind of peculiar. Those that maybe are less familiar with the church. And we got to be careful because we use it so much. Sometimes we'll be out at the store and, you know, some guy helps us and we're like, thanks, brother. <laughs> we don't know him from Adam. He might not be our brother. You don't know that. And, and I catch myself sometimes because we use it so often. But, you know... We're brothers and sisters in the family of God. We've got that song. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Join heirs with Jesus. I'm washed in the blood. Are you part of the family of God? Have you been washed in the blood? That song goes on and says, you'll notice we say brother and sister around here. It's because we're a family and these are so near. When one has a heartache, we share in the tears and rejoice each victory in this family so dear. From the door of an orphanage to the house of a king, no longer an outcast, a new song I sing. From rags to riches, from the weak to the strong. I'm not worthy to be here, but praise God, I belong. <laughs> I'm not worthy to be here, but praise God, I belong. And I'll tell you this morning, I'm thankful for the family of God. And I don't just mean in a larger global sense that we're all part of the family of God. I'm thankful for the family that God has put together here at Hunt Valley Baptist Church. The family of God that gathers here week by week and we walk with one another and talk with one another. We encourage one another. We, we cry with each other and we pray with each other. We rejoice with each other. It's, we're, we're on this, this journey of life together and we have a family that we walk through this life with. There are many people that uh, have in bygone days who follow the Lord in the first step of believer's baptism when they, when they get saved and then they trust the Lord. And then the first step of obedience is baptism. And in bygone days, that, that marker, that, that step of baptism is a picture of how old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's a picture of rejecting the things that I did know, the things that I did understand or that I thought to be true. And I'm publicly testifying to my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and becoming part of the family of God. And in bygone days, I'll tell you, there are many people that at that moment of baptism... They knew that they were saying goodbye to their earthly family. 
Their earthly family rejected them. Their mom and dad said, if you do this, we've got nothing to do with you anymore. Don't come home. Don't come back here. And they chose, beloved, the family of God. It's not something that we should take lightly. We should be thankful and praise God for the family that we have. Blessed be the tie that binds us together. A tie that bonds us is, beloved, we have a common goal. A common goal together to bring honor and glory to the name of God. What a privilege to be called Christian. And to bring honor and glory to that name. The name we wear as a Christian. You know, I have, my last name's Bottrell, and I've been blessed to come from a, from a godly heritage. And you know that there are churches and places all over the country where I would be given a measure of respect. And it has nothing to do with who I am. It's because of the name that I have. Because the name that was established by my father and my mother from over 50 years of faithfulness to God. Actually, just a couple of weeks ago, I was in a large meeting and there were some very uh, prominent leaders in church today. You know, they preach all over the country, very well known, you know, what you would call big wigs, you know, people that I don't normally get to associate with. <laughs> and anyways, I, you know, I, I went up to them. They didn't know me from Adam, but they knew my dad. Normally probably wouldn't even give me the time of day, but they did. Why? Because they knew my dad. And so I've been blessed to come from a godly heritage, and I've been blessed to have been given that name. But how much more precious is it, beloved, that I've been given the name of Christian? And I have a responsibility as a Bottrell that when I go out and, and, and if I decided or wanted to act the fool and, and, and be an idiot and bring shame to the name of Bottrell, then I'm not the one that carries that alone. My mom and dad now have to carry that shame. My brothers and sisters have to carry that shame. They're carrying that as well. And beloved, when we as Christians bear the name of Jesus Christ, we should bear it with a conscious effort that we are holding up the name of Jesus. And we are carrying the name Christian. And we have a responsibility to bring honor and glory to that name. It's so heartbreaking. You know, you see it in the news I mean, a guy could have been working for PG&E or uh, for McCormick for 40 years. And he goes out and robs a bank. But in the news, they're not going to say a McCormick worker went and robbed. No, what they're going to say is a member of Hunt Valley Baptist Church robs a bank this weekend. It's so heartbreaking. When the devil gets in and causes one of his, causes one of God's children to hurt the name of Christ. But beloved, we also have the joyous honor and privilege of bringing honor to that name. Every time you do an act of kindness, every time you, you portray the, the heart and the life of Christ... Just last week, I was talking to somebody on the phone, and they said, I just want to thank you as a church for living as Christ would want you to live. 
I want to thank you that we can see Christ's love through you as a church. And I thought, there's really no higher praise than to say that, God, that they, somebody not connected with our church, never been here, but they, they called to say, well, I want you to know we saw Christ's love through the people of your church. What an honor, what a testimony to, to bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. Yesterday, I was going through a fast food line, a drive through and I was checking out, and there was a church member in the vehicle behind me. And so I, uh, I, I told the teller there, I says, hey, that vehicle behind me, I want to pay for his meal. And he looked at me, he's like, what? He's like, it's $32. I said, man, they eat a lot of food. <laughs> I, said, I said, no, no, I, I want to pay, pay for that food. And I, I handed him a, a gospel track, and I said, hey, uh, I'm the pastor of Hunt Valley Baptist Church. And that guy was just so, I mean, he was smiling from ear to ear, so excited about that. Well, then the church member pulls up. And he ruined our testimony. No, just kidding. No, <laughs> no he, he gets his food and, and uh, checks out, and then he tries to give the guy a gospel track. And the guy goes, I don't know exactly how, like, oh, your pastor or the, the car in front of you, whatever. He just gave me one of those. And, uh, wow, he was so impressed. He was so amazed that somebody would, would care enough to pay for somebody else's meal. What a small thing but it made an impact on that man. We've got a privilege, beloved, when we're out and about into this world to, to bring honor to the name of God. We've got a common goal together. We've got a common trust. Trust is to have confidence, to have confidence in the integrity and the reliability of another person. Beloved, I don't take lightly the trust that you as a church put in me. As a pastor. I don't take it lightly. It weighs heavy on my heart. And I'll tell you what. I, I carry that weight. Ever conscious. Of what I do. And the activities that I do. And how I behave. And how I carry myself. Could be honoring that trust. Or breaking that trust. I want you to know. I take it seriously. By God's honor and with his strength, I pray the Lord give me many, many years. Just so you know, I'm not, I'm not telling you this is my last week. <laughs> I pray God will give me many, many years. And Satan would be held at bay. I pray I never break the trust that you as a church family have put in me. I'm not worthy to be here, but I'm so thankful that I belong, that I'm a part of the family. But beloved, you've been given a trust as well. You amongst each other and to God to be a part of the family of God. You know, you don't come to church just for you. I know in today's consumerism society, that mentality and mindset has moved into the church where we kind of feel like, uh, you know, we go to church to get what, what we need. It's, it's for us. It's about us. You know, I've been in, in, I grew up in a pastor's home. 
I've been in church my entire life. And I've seen a lot of people who attended church to get what they want. And it seems like they're never really happy. The church never really quite meets their need. It's just not sufficient. There's always something lacking. But I see people who have learned the mind of Christ. You see, Jesus Christ said he came not to be ministered to, but to minister. And I see people who come to church with that mindset to minister to others. And the church is a huge blessing. The church is, they're amazed at all the church does for them. They stand back and say, man, I, I don't know how the church does this. They're, they're, in, they're in awe. Because they've learned that when we go to church, it's not just for us. We go for the family of God. To minister to others. And you say, well, I, I don't do that much. Do you know about you being here, you're ministering to others? By you being in your place? By you shaking your head? By you saying amen? By you saying, preach! Oh, nobody said that. No. <laughs> by, you, by you being here and just doing what, you're, what God wants you to do, you're a part of the family of God and you're showing others that you're a part of it and that you want to be here and you believe what God is doing here is important and it's worth your time and your energy and your effort and you're going to be in your place because this is your family. It's important. And you know when you're not here, it discourages other people. Yeah. People are like, oh, man, where are they? Why is that? This must not be important. Could I encourage you to take the trust that's been put in you by your brothers and sisters in Christ and hold it with value? This common trust you know, we've got to trust with our missionaries. Our missionaries, we had our missionary update from Brother Hall. And they're out there on the foreign field. I don't know how many of you know Brother Van Gelderen, but some years ago he thought, well, uh, I think we ought to visit our missionaries. And so the church decided they were going to send somebody from the church to all of their missionaries. And they didn't tell the missionaries they were coming. They just bought a ticket. And sent somebody from the church, and they showed up. Said, hello, we're from church, and Pastor Van Gelden wanted us to stop by and just see how you guys are doing and see how the ministry is going. And, and, you know, they actually found out several of their missionaries hadn't started any church, that several of the missionaries were working jobs in a foreign country, not doing anything for God just taking pictures of groups of people talking about how they they uh, are reaching this group or doing that, sending for their updates. Yeah, God sees it. That trust was broken. Now, we want to try and get out to see our missionaries. We're not going to do it all at once. We're trying to take these missions trips and get out and see them, but we're telling them we're coming. Uh, you know, so, I don't know. <laughs> but but we, we want to try and get out there. But, you know, again... There's a trust there. We trust that they're out doing the work. And you know what? God, God knows. And when we give towards God and we give as a, as a group, we bond together to see the world reach. God sees our heart and the effort in that. And if that missionary is misusing those funds, God will hold him responsible. We've bonded together as a church family. And they also, as missionaries, are trusting us. 
as a church to be in prayer for them. That's why we have the missionary updates. I think it's important if we're going to have a missionary that we as a church even know who they are. Know where they're at. Know what they're doing. Know that they've had another child born and that, you know, that this situation arose. I told the church on Thursday night in our prayer time that Brother Pratt was having some revival services and was praising God for how good things were going and came out after revival service and his van was vandalized. They tore his van all up. Persecution. It's good for us to know that so we know how to pray for them. So we can try and help meet the needs. They, they put a trust in us that we're going to be holding them up before the throne of God and bonding and joining together with them. We have a, a love for one another. It's given to us by Christ. Love is sacrificial. Love gives without expecting anything in return. Do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? It's a voluntary thing. That we love one another. That we invest time and energy and effort in to be a help and encouragement to one another. Are you more than just acquaintances with the family of God? Have you built some relationships? Have you got some friends? Have you got somebody that you're close to as part of the family? This is important. But it takes time. It takes a little bit of energy and maybe, maybe a little bit of discomfort for a little bit. I mean, it's hard to talk to Brother Taylor, but you've got to do it. <laughs> you know? He needs a friend. So you've got to just force yourself, you know? Be a friend. Be a friend to somebody else in church. Say, oh, I don't know that person. Well, hey, it's part of the family of God. It's your brother and sister in Christ. And listen, Brother Lee, Miss Leanne, we're, of course, still praying for Miss Leanne. And tell me, Brother Lee, are you thankful for the family of God? What they just walked through? This week I was on the phone with a sister from our church. She was describing and talking to me about some things going on in their life. And she's like, Pastor, it's too much. I don't know how I can, I don't know how much more I could take. It's, it's the old adage, when it rains, it pours. It's one thing after the next. And the burdens are too great, Pastor. But in that same phone call, she said, I don't know what I would do without the family of God. She said, I'm so thankful for my church family. I'm so thankful that I know that God's people are praying for me. That I know my family is walking with me through these things. That's what we have in the family of God. We, beloved, are glad and thankful to have this family given to us by God that we call the church. But we also have companions in tribulation. He says in verse 9 there, I, John, who am your brother, and a companion in tribulation. A companion in tribulation. You know, the first century church suffered unbelievable persecution. John put himself with those who were going through this tribulation. He says, you've got a companion. You've got somebody that's walking with you. 
You know, you don't have to endure the suffering alone. You've got a companion walking with you through the tribulation, through the hardship, the trials that come into this life. You know, this life is, is hard. There are some challenges that we face. But I can tell you, I'm so thankful for the family of God. I don't know how people do it without a church family. All I've ever known for all of my life is the church family. The church family's always been there. We help one another. I've had, you know, we've gone to help some church members load a truck or unload a truck or move something or, or clean up their yard or whatever. And they're, they're just like, I can't believe you guys would come and do this for us. We said, that's what a family does. I, I don't look at it as anything special or out of ordinary. That's what a family does. We, we try and gather around and we rejoice with each other that rejoice and weep with those that weep. It's a family. We're, we're companions in tribulation. Maybe you've gone through and carried some burdens that make you unique, uniquely gifted or situated to be able to help somebody carrying the same burden. You've suffered loss or you've endured some heartache that allows you to be able to help another brother or sister in Christ to go through the same loss or same heartache. You're carrying that burden. Beloved, as a pastor, I could never empathize with every situation that you all as a church family are facing because I have not endured or gone through everything that you guys have gone through. Some things I have, but sometimes they need a brother or sister in Christ who has walked that road. To be able to come alongside them and say, listen, I've been through this. I, I, I know what you're feeling. And I'm here for you. This companion John is speaking of. It's a companion in tribulation. You know what? I wish we didn't have any troubles. I wish you didn't have any tribulation. I, I, I hear about some struggles and things that sometimes the church family is facing and my heart breaks for you and I think, man, I wish you just didn't have to endure that. I wish you didn't have to go through it. It's, it's almost like a, a father or a parent will for a child. I mean, how many of you parents would gladly endure or take what your children are going through? You say, oh, if I could take that off of them. If I could somehow lift that, if I could take that away, I, man, I, I wish I could just, if I could be doing it instead of them. I look at the church family many times in that way. My heart breaks for you as you go through some of the heartache you have, but we're a family. We love and care for one another. Have you carried a heartache? Are you currently carrying a heartache? know that you've got brothers and sisters that are companions in your suffering. We pray for one another. On the Welcome Center, there's a prayer list. A list that your brothers and sisters have said, hey, this is something I need some prayer for. This morning I mentioned Bev in the hospital. Fred and Hunter here. Hearts are heavy. We want prayer for Bev. They came to the family of God and said, we need prayer. We need somebody carrying this burden with us. I'm glad this morning we've got a church family to do that. 
Will you commit to at least be a companion in prayer to your fellow members? I want you to see we also have the same king. He says here, and in the kingdom, we're in the kingdom. You know, we've got the same king. It's a brotherhood that we're bound by the same king. And beloved, this is no ordinary king. It is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the beginning and the end, the first and the last. This king is worthy of all praise and honor. Amen. Amen. If there ever was a king, he is the king. And we should give unto him all our loyalty. We should give unto him all of our honor that we have and can have. He is the king. And we're bound by this, that we serve the same king. Together, what a joy. What a privilege. When the first Victorian cross was given out in Hyde Park in England, the queen approached the soldier with this high medal of honor and recognition for sacrifice given. As she approached the first soldier who was severely maimed in the war, his face was disfigured from a bomb having gone off. When she got close enough to recognize and see the face, she was so shocked, she dropped the medal and turned away and began to cry. In a moment or two, she gained her composure. She turned back to this soldier. An aide handed her the medal and said, she walked up to the soldier and she said, we honor your sacrifice. So sorry. And she she was interrupted. And the soldier said, Queen, we would bear it all again for king and country. He stood there maimed for life and he said, don't apologize. Don't think this is bad. We would do it all again for our king and for our country. And oh, how much more important is it, beloved, that we would do it all uh, for our king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. S.M. Lockridge preached a very powerful message in the 1970s entitled, That's My King. I love listening to that message. (laughs) I really couldn't do it justice, even if I was to read the words. So I thought it would be fitting if we took just a minute and listened to about four minutes This was put together in a presentation by Caleb Garraway, an evangelist to America, a friend of mine. I want you to think about the king and if he is your king this morning. We play that now.
Bible says he's a king of the Jews. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. Well, no barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his solar supply. Well, he's enduringly strong. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. And he's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's preeminent. Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good. He's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. Do you know him? Do you know my king? Well, my king is the king of knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a gateway of glory. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. His promise is sure. His life is massive. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Do you know him? Well, he's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you, the heavens of heaven cannot contain him, let alone a man explain him. You can't get him out of your mouth. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him. But they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimony to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. He always has been. And he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor. And he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him, and there'll be nobody after him. You can't even teach him, and he's not going to resign. That's my king. Yeah! Do you know him? He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. 
and he's the Lord of Lord. That's my king. Is he your king this morning? I hope you can testify from your heart of hearts without hesitation that he is your king. He is the king of kings and there's nobody like him. And we're bound together in this family of God to serve him together as a church. If he's not your king, I would implore you this morning to come and let us take a Bible and show you how you can make him your king. But if he is your king and you know that, then I beg of you, would you serve him with a heart of gratitude and love and in full commitment to give him all loyalty and honor that's due him? 